day, everyone. This is Sam Maisel from the Denton's Los Angeles office. I'd like to welcome you to this podcast in our series on the healthcare industry and its issues worldwide. I'm going to introduce you now to my partner, Neil Griffins, from our London office, who's going to make some introductory remarks and serve as our moderator today. Neil? Thanks, Sam. And it's great to be here. And uh, hello to everyone who's listening. Um, uh, and I'm the head of the restructuring practice in the UK and the Middle East, uh, so it's great to have this opportunity to discuss this um, very topical question. Um, uh, the, the, the healthcare across the world is clearly going through a, um, a real transformation at the moment. Um, and maybe we'll come on to you know, whether that's just because of the pandemic or because of factors that were already in play. Um, but it's certainly a big issue in, in the UK. And I'm sure that uh, different uh, countries have different approaches to this. In the UK, we've got, as a lot of people will know, we have a very large um, public health service uh, delivering healthcare, which is free at the point of delivery. Um, and uh, that's an enormous structure. Um, it's uh, one of the biggest employers in the world, biggest employer in Europe, 1.2, 1.3 million employees. Um, and uh, that system is was was struggling prior to the pandemic, um, and is struggling even more now. Um, there's a real crisis going on. Um, in the private sector, we're also seeing restructuring increasingly in the healthcare sector, and we've just had the first um, of the new English restructuring plans applied to um, a, a group called Life uh, Lifeways. Um, uh, which was the largest provider of supported living services for adults with complex health needs in the UK. And that's within the last month. So this is very topical indeed. And I'm uh, delighted to have the chance to talk about some of the issues with Sam and with uh, Daniel Fritz. Um, and I was going to suggest that we'll, we'll structure this by, um, uh, uh, first of all, looking at the horizon in the US and then perhaps in Germany and Europe more widely, and then we'll come back to some of the themes and questions that that, that throws up. Uh, and we shouldn't uh, let that go without introducing Daniel. Daniel, great to hear from you. Yes, thank you, Neil, for the kind introduction. And it's a pleasure to, to be on board here again. Um, and it's it's very good uh, to, that you mentioned the horizon, because uh, as I heard from you from the UK, previously from from some from 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 the us uh, the horizon is quite dark uh, to be frank in germany um it is a big issue uh, we have now more and more insolvencies of hospitals going on but also insolvency of care home providers uh we have temporary measures for covid aid covid related insolvency laws they are running out now the next months uh, and um, the, the lawmakers are struggling to find new solutions. They have ideas to change the situation in Germany, uh, but in Germany, this is a federal law. So the, the federal government and the government of the lender, the states need to align. They do not align yet. So we do not have solutions. We have good plans. So there is a, some light on the horizon, but the light is not yet shining because politicians are not aligned yet. And so it's it's really a kind of disturbing situation that we hear that in the next months a lot of hospitals will shut down parts of the operations. That's that it is. Yeah, this the, it it is interesting how similar 
this issue has become worldwide. I mean, the, the US healthcare system and the German healthcare system are quite different, but the problems they are facing are very similar. I mean, part of it is systemic, right? They, the, the world is grappling with an aging population, right? So the baby boomers, the, the post-World War II uh, really explosion of uh, population, you know, we're all getting older. That's me. We're, we're getting aged and people with, as you age, you need more health care. So the world is struggling to deal with this uh, baby boomer uh, uh, age bracket as it moves through the healthcare system. And then you add onto it, you know, the first global pandemic since the Spanish influenza of 1918. And uh, it has just created financial stressors in a, a, in a system worldwide, which was already coping badly. Um, it has just really exacerbated uh, the, the situation in a way that I think, you know, we would not have foreseen, obviously, pre-pandemic. There's a couple of points there that you raised, Sam, which are really, really interesting. And the first is that, that we've got, a, a, it's, this is not a demand issue. Um, you know, there's plenty of demand for, the, for, the, for this product, these services. In fact, there's more than ever. Um, it's a supply issue. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, uh, how do we address the, the changing um, uh, horizon there? To, to deal with that increased demand in a in a world which has changed quite a bit following the pandemic. It, it, it's, it's interesting, Neil, and I, I want to hear what what the situation in Germany is, but in the United States, it is it is weird because it is not a supply issue. In fact, we have more hospital beds in the United States than we need because at, you know, if you had looked at the population we have now in 1950, you would think we need more hospital beds because, but because of advances in medical treatments, we need less hospital beds because, you know, when, when, when my father had his hip replaced, he was in the hospital for three or four days and then he was in a rehab center for two weeks. When I had my hip replaced, it was outpatient surgery. I had my hip replaced in the morning and I was home for dinner. Now, if you have a heart, if you had to have your heart fixed, a valve implanted, they used to have to crack open your chest and you were in the hospital for weeks. Now they run a tube up through your leg in, and they fix it and you're home in a day or two. Mm -hmm. So it is, in some respects, it is odd. We don't need more hospital beds. It isn't that, that isn't that there's a, you know, a shortage of supply. What we probably do need is more psychiatric beds. That's a shortage, certainly in the United mm. States, terribly. We need to figure out how we're going to treat the aging population because skilled nursing is, is also, we don't need more skilled nursing beds. We probably need them better identified, mm. uh, you know, located. Um, Assisted living is a continually growing issue. Like, how do we treat elder people? Do we keep them at home? So it's, in some respects, it isn't demand or supply. It's how do you allocate? How do you identify mm -hmm. the issues? And how do you impose a system? And, and in this respect, Neil, England is much better than we are, right? Mm -hmm. 
Germany is much better than we are because I know I saw I I, I know that that raised eyebrows occur if you're in those systems, but if you look at the outcomes across a population, Germany and Britain and France, with with whatever problems people think they have in their healthcare systems, the socialized medicine, which American population, American politicians rail against. Statistically, they deliver much superior healthcare across the population, Mm. which I know, I mean, you know, we may have, we may have the top end facilities in the world in places like the Mayo Clinic or whatever, but across the population, we lag far behind Western European countries. But bear in mind, bear in mind that, um, you know, as I said in my introductory remarks, um, our system is is very labor intensive. You know, we've got a huge number of of, um, uh, medical professionals Um, and there's and there's um, the problems that 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 uh, we were certainly facing here um, used to have a lot to do with uh, difficulty uh, with uh, labor, uh, getting enough um, qualified people. Um, and uh, we used to solve that by mm-hmm. by importing professionals mm-hmm. um, from across the EU back in the days when we used to be in the EU. Mm-hmm. So you went to the emergency um, room and you'd be attended to by a mm-hmm. Romanian doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seemed to work pretty well. They all spoke great English and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they were making some decent money. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the world is surely changing. You're talking about technology. Um, uh, I've got two questions there. One is, um, uh, is, is the labor force um, uh, a changing feature now mm-hmm. in, in the sense that um, healthcare uh, is going to need fewer mm-hmm. uh, doctors and nurses? Is that realistic? Um, and, and secondly, um, yeah, is technology going to replace that? So, so speaking about the German situation, it's interesting to, to talk about these, these uh, general points of, of demand and supply and also labor force. Uh, we have seen that the numbers of beds used are really shrunk down during COVID because of the COVID situation. This is also now causing, uh, as a postponed issue, this is now causing uh, the insolvencies of big hair, hair um, of big um care providers because people went in no, not many people in hospitals does mean not so many people are going then to rehabilitation and so on this is a follow-up effect of corona we face now in the actual hospitals the emergency hospitals the acute hospitals we see now really a stabilization of of the figures so more and more the hospitals have the same number of patients using the beds as before the pandemic. So this has stabilized, but then we have the effects of of the higher energy costs. This is in particular hitting now Germany because uh, the the gas gas crisis. Um, And we also have the problems with not uh, having enough uh, qualified personnel. Um, And this leads also uh, to the effect that uh, cost intense and, and, and personal intense surgeries cannot be made. And this is, then again, an issue with our DRG system, we copied, I think, from the US, um, that it is now clear that the pricing system is out of order for the situation we have now in Germany. And so our, our government is thinking of, of changing our pricing system, that only 40% of the pricing is now shall be in the future DRG, and the rest is, is really paying the hospitals for having the beds and, and the supply 
of 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 of, of operations and, and 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 medicine health care to be in place and they also want to structure it that we say we have big university clinics we have specialized clinics for for higher and complicated operation levels and then we have a, a basic demand hospitals in the region to cross the region so so that we that we now have three layers of, of hospitals in the future because on the one hand the state cannot pay so much more because of the general economic situation but on the other hand the hospitals demand more more payments and an increase of of costs so this is really something we're struggling now to intermingle and this is something between demand supply but in particular it's a pricing issue we see now we have uh this year by march the, the german hospitals have uh, nine billions of deficit accumulated and by end of the year the german hospital system will have accumulated 15 billions of deficits only this year and, and they're saying now we cannot wait for our government to have these new nice plans for new structure for new pricing system we need the money now otherwise we need to file for insolvency yeah that it is it is I am really struck, Dan, Daniel, by by the comparison, right? So, such different healthcare systems, but American hospitals are having their worst financial years. You know, there's the by some measures, more than half the hospitals in the United States are now operating with negative margins. So they're losing. They're more than half the hospitals are losing money, and I think you know part of it is certainly the labor issue, right? That that there is a worldwide nurse shortage and the pandemic burned out a lot of uh, nurses. They, they just exhausted by the, the three years of working in the pandemic. Um, so the, the shortage is not getting better. And so the cost of labor, because the competition for those skilled nursing uh, staff, you know, in the United States, the costs of labor are through the roof and, and not just not just for nurses, although that's really the, the most uh, devastating financially, but even unskilled labor, because in the United States, unemployment now is down in the in low 3%. And so skilled nursing facilities, assisted living, um, hospitals, unskilled labor, they're competing for that unskilled labor force with McDonald's or Target mm. or Walmart. And, and and you don't have to be a you don't have to be brilliant to know that you work a lot harder if you're in a skilled nursing facility taking care of some aged person than if you're stocking shelves at Walmart and you're doing it for the same money. So the competition for even unskilled labor is really tough. So the labor costs are through the they're just through the roof in the U.S. And then you mentioned inflation, obviously a worldwide issue, and. And there's just no way for hospitals and and you know skilled nursing facilities to repass those costs on because they they get paid either by the government, which tells you what you know they they tell you what you're going to get paid, or private payers, and and it, for large organizations those contracts are fixed and go for years. So there's they what they get paid for the services is fixed. And there's no way to adjust it to account for inflation. You, it's not like a shoe store where I can just raise the prices. Yeah. So they're really, the, they're just horribly squeezed between labor, inflation. And I do think 
we're talking about what this portends for the future. I, I do believe you're going to see closures of hospitals, which is going to accelerate the transfer to telemedicine. You know, you're going to you're going to see your doctor by Zoom and your doctor's going to be sitting in in the U.S. He's going to be sitting in Arizona or Florida um, and he's going to be treating you in Montana by Zoom and he's going to hook you up and you're going to do telemedicine and 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 maybe your first visit is going to be with artificial intelligence who's going to sort of scan and get all the basics and and do some preliminary assessment and transfer it to the doctor who's sitting 3000 miles away i i do think that's what this portends because facilities are going to close rural hospitals are going to close in the united states and the substitution is is what we're talking about you know ai telemedicine um, you know, maybe scale down care. So you're going to see more care provided by um, trained nursing professionals rather than than a, an MD, a doctor. Yeah, and that certainly fits in with with the experience we're having here, which is that uh, certainly during the pandemic, there's there was necessarily quite a big shift to telemedicine. So you know, general practitioner doctors, you know, they all moved across to Zoom. And they'd see their patients over Zoom unless you know absolutely needed attention, in which case they'd send them to the hospital, whether they liked it or not. Um, and a lot of them have continued to do that um, because it's a relatively efficient way of doing things. But it also leads then to saying, well, if you um, if it's a bit expensive to have a doctor in your hometown um, who you're not actually going to have to go and see physically at all, um, you could um, see over Zoom a doctor in India or um anywhere around the world right right i mean it's it, it now it's sort of um nationalized but you're right there's no reason you could you couldn't we mm. we couldn't establish a medical center mm. in some low cost place mm. and have yeah. all the doctors mm. there mm. Um, or in my previous example the guy from romania doesn't have to get on a plane to come over to the yeah. uk for a few days to make some money mm. Now he he can all he needs is a mm. um, an iPad. I, right. I wonder I, I wonder how this is affecting the let's say the M and A market in in, in 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 the UK or in the US. In, in Germany, on the one hand, we we saw prior to COVID that really the big players they they were just growing for for growing. Yeah, that's what it was just a. Uh, fight to be the biggest one that it, it was not they were not really looking at a at the special markets and niche issues and now we see it's not 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 that easy to sell hospitals out of insolvency or to sell distressed hospitals anymore so the insolvency really more and more needs also at least partial closure of operations but nevertheless if it really fits in and this i think is uh, a growing demand for specialization in Germany. So if it fits in, if it's specialized, then there is still an opportunity for M&A here in Germany. So, so I wonder whether you see the same in the UK or in, in the US. So we, we obviously, <laughs> I just think it is, um, it is amazing how similar our discussion is given how different our healthcare systems yeah. are. I mean, we have seen that consolidation uh, you know, exactly the same thing in the United States. Uh, you know, both, um, not even, you know, we have about 5,000 
uh, hospitals in the U.S., give or take. And uh, the majority of those have always historically been not-for-profits, but obviously our for-profit systems are growing. So we have HCA, which is you know more than 100 hospitals. Um, but we also have huge not-for-profit systems like Ascension or Sutter, which literally have billions of dollars in the stock market, in their investment accounts. And, and they, they're, you know, they're just um, a size that, uh, you know, a healthcare system a hundred years ago would have not thought believable. Um, and, and, and I do think in the M&A sector, what you're seeing, look, private equity funds have have are gravitating, I think, towards non-provider-faced um, care. So they don't want to own a hospital because hospitals are too reliant on government payers. But they do want to own uh, medical supply. Uh, in the United States, I think, as worldwide, there is a, a significant push for all medical records to be electronic. Right, all, the systems are all electronic now. And, and that's something that, um, you know, private equity is comfortable with this, uh, you know, technology-based systems. And I, so I do think where you're going to see medical care become more technology-based, more technology-delivered, you're going to see private equity more comfortable with actual provider-facing acquisitions than they might have been otherwise, might have been before. I think that make, makes that makes tech an important part of the plumbing of the system more than it's ever been before. And we've certainly seen cases here in the UK where mm -hmm. where tech providers have got into difficulties mm -hmm. and, you know, they basically had to be bailed out because, um, you know, tech provider to a hospital, you, you can't allow that to fail. You can't allow the hospital mm -hmm. to have no technology because then people start dying. But but you know you know what's happening in Germany when you speak about digitalization and private data. The first reaction of a German is data protection, and the second one it's against the constitution. So so we, but we also see this trend now. It's 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 an electron. You need the electronic patient file for telemedicine. You need that, uh, and and this is also something which we are really struggling right now. Besides all the financial issues, right? I mean, if you're going to have telemedicine and uh, you're you're where the doctor you you know is miles away many maybe thousands of miles away how can you not have electronic medical records right plus as as medical care gets is more specialized right you don't just go see your family doctor your, your family doctor is a gp but he's going to farm you out for virtually everything to a specialist those people have to have access to your records and nobody wants to be carrying your paper records around anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is the, this is, it's not the future, it's the present, but it's just going to be more and more prevalent. Um, and I do think that's where you're going to see a lot of M&A work, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I agreed. And I, I think we're probably coming to the end of our time now, um, but it sounds like we've we've picked out some very interesting themes. It's, I think it's striking. I think it is striking the similarities, um, yeah. despite the differences. You know, there's so many similarities between us, and I'm sure it's the same in many other systems as well. Right. It is. Um, it it is. It is striking that despite countries' different approaches to providing healthcare to their populations. Mm -hmm. The issues that they're facing today, 
look very similar. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess we've come to the end of our time, Neil. So uh, thank you all. I've, I've enjoyed it and, and I look forward to our next opportunity to talk. Me too. Thank you. Thanks very it was much. a pleasure. Thank you.